NZ Aerosports, Icarus Canopies, now Gyro. That's right, we've rebranded, and Gyro is our next generation. It honours our founder, as that's the name we knew him by, but Gyro also marks the start of a new chapter. And not to be biased, but it's going to be fucking epic. Long story short, we're more us than ever. So if you're new to the sport, or even a Sky God Ninja Turtle, welcome. I think our valiant leader Lucy, Gyro's daughter, Says it best. And we still got that fuck your attitude. <laughs> Rebrand! Woo! Rebrand woo indeed, Lucy. Anyway, head over to gyro.com for more info and get amongst your legends. I was 19, broke, unemployed, and sold my girlfriend's canopy for drug money. So, I thought I'd better sell her a new one. What a sentence and what a story. This describes the humble yet outrageous beginnings of NZ Aerosports, the home of Icarus Canopies, in the words of our founder himself. From getting a paratrooper toy from his mom, watching parachutes at the DZ as a six-year-old, jumping off the wharf with a parachute made from bedsheets, doing his first jump at 16, sewing his first canopy on a borrowed machine at 19, and starting to sell parachutes out of a garage in 1986, Paul Gyro Martin had an undying love for the sky. Our company started with one man with the wildest of spirits in a true blue sky dream, a renegade. In the time that Gyro created and ran the Icarus Canopies brand until he passed away in 2017, he pushed everything he had to its limits. We miss him and we always will. Gyro is the next generation of NZ Aerosports. It honors our founder, of course, because it was the name we all knew him by, but Gyro the rebrand also marks the start of a new chapter, our next jump. Gyro is the space between sound and silence, art and science, chaos and calm. Gyro is a state of epic tranquility that transcends understanding. That moment, in the door, in free fall, mid-swoop, where nothing but the present exists. A perfect balance of euphoria and thrill. Gyro captures our passion for flying and our commitment to designing break-the-fucking-rules canopies that deliver pilots pure, wild flight. Coming straight from the cockpit, it's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go! Back in the can for another edition of the Lunatic Fringe Podcast and a familiar smiling face on the other side of the screen. Who the fuck are you and what do you do? Hi, I'm Zach Rosser. I'm from Australia and I am now a uh, full-time skydiver, um, which is pretty awesome compared to the last time when we were talking. So full-time means a whole lot of changes have happened. By the way, didn't I see you got married or something? Uh, engaged. 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 Not married. <laughs> So yeah, there's all kinds of shit going on for you. Yeah, since we last talked, uh, lots has happened, lots of life-changing um, events. Um, and yeah, it's been pretty full-on, but it's uh, it's all starting to take shape, which is cool. That's a big kind of a scary transition, isn't it? To go from a part-time Scott Ever slash coach to this is fucking what I do. That's scary, right? 
yeah definitely um yeah it was like pretty scary like um quitting like the hospitality like sort of industry and like you know the comfort of an usual income and then um just going all in and you know, like doing tandems and then doing like the social media marketing for the drop zone that I work at and the, with the coaching stuff as well but um yeah I was just lucky that my partner Emily just gave me all the support that I needed um to make that jump because you know most partners probably wouldn't let you quit a normal um career to then just pursue skydiving as like a full-time gig sure um so yeah now- it's, um been a bit of an adjustment but it's it's yeah it's been pretty cool did you get engaged before or after you dropped that bomb on her oh i am no it was uh it i got we got engaged april last year and i went full-time january this year all right we were first, so i did it right i was like locked her in got locked in and then uh then dropped the bombshell i was gonna say that's 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 a good way to do it all right all right fair enough fair enough so um, for anybody that didn't have the opportunity to listen to our first talk, everybody that listens to the show knows I always jump my uh, guests back to how they got started in the sport. So give me a recap, how you got started in skydiving, what was the initial spark, how your training and initial beginnings went, and how you ended up working as a professional skydiver? Yeah, so um was kind of, I don't know, not in my blood, but kind of instilled into me as a child, um, just watching dad um paraglide we used to go to turkey in Olydenese and just like for a month or six weeks and he'd paraglide like nearly every day so I'd just watch him paraglide and pack his paraglider as well and just like sort of learn that love for flight and was just kind of always around it and just you know so I knew that when I was older I would want to get into paragliding but when I moved to Australia in, in SA in Adelaide that's paragliding seems quite small there's no schools or anything so dad I said well let's just go do a tandem uh skydive instead um, so I did that, loved it, booked in my AF course, did my AF like the following month. And um, then, yeah, then it just, well, like most people, it just absorbed my life, got addicted and just absolutely ran with it. And now it's a passion. It's a, it's um, yeah, it's an addiction. It's a, yeah. And it's an hour career. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's strange in that, uh, I mean, the jumping itself is addictive and the sport is so much fun and skydiving itself is so much fun. Um, for me, the long-term hook, and I've said it a billion times on the podcast is the community in skydiving. Um, it really, it's where you go to get your ego checked. It's where you go to uh, get reaffirmation that you're, you know, on the right path. If you're doing stuff the wrong way, somebody's going to let you know. If you're being a prick, somebody's going to let you know. Uh, it's just kind of a, a distilled version of the the real world that kind of puts it all in perspective, at least for me. And then, of course, it's just filled with ridiculously cool people. 100%. It's more or less like therapy or counseling to to some people. You know, it's just crazy as it sounds. You know, you can go there and you're instantly calmed or you can go there and people will help you through a scenario or you know you know whatever life's happening at the moment um it will just going to the drop zone seems to fix it yeah it's like <laughs> a big uh it's like a big therapy group isn't it yeah for sure just a big collective of all walks of life um 
chat just makes yeah. helping each other. <laughs> I mean, not only do you you always have somebody there that's probably got a good piece of advice or has been through what you're dealing with, but you're also never the the most fucked up toy in the room. Hundred <laughs> percent. You know. That looks like be someone. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, and it's honestly, <laughs> I don't know if you find it this way, but I've always found that being the one giving advice when you actually know what you're doing is it incredibly therapeutic for you. Like it's really fucking cool to help somebody past a hurdle or something like that. And you end up walking away feeling a little bit better about yourself too. Yeah, hundred percent. Definitely. Now that I've matured and like gotten to that point, I'm definitely enjoying that side of things on the flip side for the first like four years, I was definitely the person always getting the advice or, sure. you know, I was actually doing this or you shouldn't be doing that. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now <laughs> does even remember does I even the... remember like a friend Jed telling me is like, you know, skydiving, it's like, it's only 10%, you know, the jumping is actually only 10% of skydiving. And it took me a very long time to like work that out, but completely. Yeah. 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 Actually, uh, there was a parallel in a, a recent chat that I had with uh, uh, Jeffro um, saying that uh, he believes that the majority of the learning in regard to skydiving takes place off the drop zone. It's yeah. with those mentors, with those uh, the groups of people that you're coming up with in the sport when you're cracking a beer or you're out on the town or doing whatever and getting those little nuggets of advice and those little tidbits in the sport that just are an incredible environment to learn. Yeah, 100%. Yes, some some of like the most yeah helpful things I've ever learned is, you know, being at the bar or like some of like the best friends I've made around the campfire at like, you know, six o'clock in the morning. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Now does the, does the fiance jump? Uh, no, she doesn't. And, uh, she hasn't done a skydive yet. It was like the classic. She was like, Oh, when you do your 700 got to that. And she was like, Oh, maybe when you get your tandem rating and then got that. And she's like, well, when you, when you get your hand cam, cause someone's got to film it. And then I think it, uh, she's yeah, kind of just like, She's yeah, she's not too keen on like planes. So throwing her into a small 206 is probably not going to assist with it either. But yeah, it's fair enough. like yeah, I'm not going to push for it. It will happen when it happens. If it does, if it does, that's kind of sure. cool. Now, does she I would assume because of the amount of time that you put into it, does she partake in the social aspect of skydiving? Uh yeah, yeah. When she, when um when she's able to, she definitely likes to kind of drops in and hang out if she gets an opportunity. Um we definitely have two um puppies at the moment where they're kind of like almost like having kids so it's sure. definitely hard taking the dogs and to the sure. show and, and, and yeah and then if everyone else brings their dogs it comes a bit of a dilemma so oh, yeah, yeah. when there's a, when there's an opportunity she loves to come and hang out um for sure but um yeah when the opportunity presents itself well, I've also found, uh, I personally have always found it easier dealing with a significant other that's not involved in the sport, uh, but that understands how important it is to me. Um, if it's two people, not that it can't work, but if it's two people that are very invested in the sport, either they're always doing everything together or they've got such drastic um, you know, differences in the way that they do things that they still don't spend any time together when they're at the drop zone. Uh, but for me yeah, personally, it always worked better having uh, like my wife does not skydive. So yeah, a hundred percent. My like before I met Emily, when I was single, my friend Bryce said, Zach, the one bit of advice I'll give you is don't date anyone in skydiving. Whatever you do, don't get involved with someone around the drop zone. Date, don't date anyone skydiving. Just keep your world separate. Everyone's happy. <laughs> right. <laughs> I wouldn't say don't date anyone. Most ironic thing is, is he's now dating 
who was his F student at the time. So, <laughs> of course, of course, I uh, I don't say don't date a, a fellow skydiver, but maybe date somebody that's in a different drop zone. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, but then again, I've seen couples that make it work, that do an incredible job of of uh, being able to show up to work together, jump together all day long, um, do every go fun jump together and then go home. Personally, I'm just too much of a prick for somebody to be around me that long. And I drive anybody crazy. So. <laughs> Oh, for sure. Like there's some of like the most top athletes where both partners are top of their game athletes and it works for them. And, you know, some people, it definitely works. Um, like there's definitely some days where like, it would be awesome if M skydived so we could skydive together, like that would be like an unreal experience, but sure. having the world separate, I think when you get home, like it's just almost refreshing to hear something that's different other than well you got stories to tell right i mean because that's the thing is if you're if you spend all your time together and you you are on all the same jumps hey you remember oh yeah you were there (laughs) yeah you know the stories (laughs) don't hold as much weight if they were on the other end of the same skydive so (laughs) so um did you have your tandem rating when we talked last i reckon i was like starting to get into it like the very i think i more or less just got it or, yeah, very early standards. So now, how's the progression of that been? Because it's been a while now, and I mean, that's that's yeah. a um, that's an aspect of skydiving that has a real big learning curve. Hundred percent. I've definitely learned a lot. Um, <laughs> just like just seeing different characters all the time, like you get so. One, well, I'm don't say I'm good, but you get better at like reading people before without even knowing them, and like. You know, yep. who's going to be that one person that throws you on your side or, you know, who's going to be that one person that needs that bit more encouragement or who might be the one that freaks out in the plane or who's just going to be like a too confident, you know, just trying to pick the characters and yep. and then run with the characters and then how to deal with those characters too. So you know, it's, it's, it's definitely fun. And I like, I, I'm still in that stage where I'm not burnt out from it. Like I'm still enjoying Herman um, and giving people that experience I really froth on that like when people were like oh that was an amazing experience like I loved it and I'm like yeah cool that was sick yeah, absolutely <laughs> um, I'm still definitely in that kind of area <laughs> well I mean if it if it uh, makes you feel better I was in that the entire time I was a tandem instructor I never got burned out on it because it's so interesting to try and figure somebody out and you end up having to do you have to become what I like to call a 20-minute psychologist because you have roughly 20 minutes from the time that you shake their hand in introduction to the time that you've got them at the edge of a door 4,000 meters above the ground, and you had to have instilled in them enough trust in you and the gear and the process to huck themselves out of the fucking plane. So it's really cool what you have to do to get there, right? Yeah, definitely. Like, it's I think it it definitely helps you with just every day just socialization and just like just every day just skills like yeah you were just to I don't know I feel like it just gives you more confidence to be able to just talk to random people or just you know just to deal with different scenarios as well sure Sure. I learned uh, um, outside of skydiving that when I would see somebody I could tell uh, when they were stressed out and ready to flip out and start screaming and yelling or when they were shutting down because I'd seen it so many times, you know, you watch that guy that's being the over the top, you know, tough guy. He's the one that's going to lose his shit almost every yeah. time. And you're like, Oh fuck, here we go. And you, <laughs> you, you know, from the outside, you would never expect that that tough guy is the one that you're going to have to just kind of baby into the plane. It's going to be okay. <laughs> but those are the ones that it takes. Right. And it's so fun to yeah, see that. Job. 
then you see it in the real world and you're like, oh, fuck, I know who you are. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I get you. So you said you're also doing uh, social media management for the drop zone. That's got to be pretty busy too. Yeah. 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 It was like, um, it was definitely something that assisted with helping me go full time in skydiving. So it kind of just gave that like security of like a, some kind of wage. So yeah, now with SA skydiving, I do like the social media and the marketing alongside, um, um, Matt, who that uh, Matt Teagues, who's also doing the marketing and operations manager. So we kind of semi share the role, but yeah, it's been awesome. Like really like learning more about that and, um, all the fun projects that we've got coming up and where we want to really want to take the, the business and how we want it to grow and sure. stuff like that. So yeah, it's, it's really exciting. I'm actually really enjoying it. Like social media like, is, a, it's crazy though, right? It's a minefield. There's so oh. many different pitfalls and so much shit <laughs> you have to learn. Oh, like you got to post everything on then YouTube, then Facebook, and then Instagram, and then TikTok, and then like whatever fuck comes next. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and then it's somehow got to be at the front of the game as well. <laughs> yeah, then it's it's not just where you post, but it's what fucking time of day you post, and and where in the world you're trying to aim your you know uh, perspective for clients. And oh my god, man, it's fucking mind bending. A different caption for TikTok versus Instagram, and different music, and all the rest of it, and then it's, yeah, it's a like you, like you, it, that's how I've got a job. It's a full time gig. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. the one thing, uh, especially with the podcast, has been a hell of a learning curve. Just trying to know how to get things out there over the last few years, and the only one that I haven't done, and I'm stubbornly staying away from, is TikTok. Uh, I would wouldn't be on TikTok if I wasn't working for SA Skydiving. It yeah. was a forced role. Well, <laughs> and I know it's supposed to be like the the most popular <laughs> platform to reach people, but it drives me nuts. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm exactly the same. But it's one of those things you kind of like you, you either adapt or you get left behind. Yeah, yeah, no, no doubt, no doubt. And it, it has to be done. Now, um, speaking of uh, moving forward, when we last talked, you were really starting to get into the the flocking stuff and, and really putting together a lot of events. So tell me about that, because I know that's been quite a big progression, too. Yeah, for sure. Like, um. When I first started, I think last time we talked, I already ran maybe two, which were quite small events. They were like six ways or something like that at our drop zone. So two hundred six, mm. and looking to progress into like an interstate. I was like, if I want these events to grow, then I can't run them in my local drop zones. I need to go sure. interstate. And sure. To I need to go to the caravan run drop zones, and that's when I was heading up to final free fall in um in Cairns, and then I had another event up in um Skydive Ramblers, which is in Brisbane. And I've literally got the wall, uh, the wallpaper behind me on my other computer here, looking at it. And yeah, they they ran really good. Like we got a lot of weather in um, in final freefall, um, as you would expect if you if you've jumped there before, you'd know you're always going to get weather there. But it's a beautiful drop zone when it's on. And um, and then Ramblers was good. We got some really good content. Like um, Cam, you would have seen Cam's photos. Like Cameron Putty, his photos are just phenomenal. Like and it's why he does the camera for all of my events. And then from there, it kind of just blew not blew up, but it got more and more popular. It's still a very new discipline that is growing. Um, and I, I've definitely noticed that it's, well, it's now becoming in, um, into boogies as like a, an option for coaches to now jump and, uh, and load organize at as well. Um, but yeah, the events are slowly building and um, it's starting to pick up moment, um, like it's starting to get more reach and it's starting to progress and it gave me an opportunity to go to New Zealand this year, which was, which was awesome too. Mm. So yeah, I'm loving it. And 
now that I'm starting to get onto like more high performance wings and more advanced wings, like the, the, the options are just endless. Just when you think you've gotten to the, um, not to the end, but just when you started thinking about like, okay, this is flocking. Like we can only do this, this, and this, then someone else invents something. You're like, whoa, I didn't know that was possible. Or you try sure. something. Wow. Like that was awesome. That's a new like flocking jump idea. Sure. Just there. And, um, but yeah, loving it. Like a, Loving, loving, loving. So for the people that are coming up, especially the newer jumpers and people that are are uh, starting to learn to fly their wing for more than a, just a safe way to get to the ground, but are enjoying that aspect of the sport, talk us through what flocking is. Talk us through the different uh, aspects of flocking um, and uh, what kind of things you guys have been doing from the beginnings of it until what you're able to do now. For sure. So um, for the beginners, like um, like flocking or just for anyone really, like flocking is essentially like the canopy piling equivalent for the tunnel. Like we get on the bigger wings, like from about 15 minutes of airtime on the smaller wings, like eight or so minutes. So, so much more airtime than what we'd usually get after a free fall jump. So the, the learning curve um, is, super, is a, quite a lot more than your usual just one jump. Like you can make a lot more mistakes in one jump than what you would usually do. Um, free fall jump and then learn from it as well like you can make a mistake you can learn from it re like readapt and like implement that into like figuring out what you can do better on the next one sure um so for like the beginners like we're usually teaching them more about like safety aspects of like approaching um what your different like inputs do like your body controls and like how to stay relative to formation um which is a lot of people, especially in the beginner stage, are told to stay the fuck away from other parachutes and like get out of the way, don't fly near another parachute. Like that's danger. And now we're trying to like retrain the brain and the mindset that, okay, now you can fly close to like another canopy and it is safe. Um, so it is quite funny when you're like waving someone in, like, okay, come closer, come closer. And they're like shaking their heads, like, no, 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 no. And you're just like, just constantly like this, all right, come on, come on, come in, come in. Um, and then, yeah, they get down to the ground and it's frothing. Like, that was insane. Let's do that again. Yeah. It's definitely super exciting. It's kind of funny because uh, uh, when I learned how to jump, I learned at uh, Skydive Las Vegas and and would jump by myself because it wasn't really a, a fun jump or drop zone. Uh, but I remember one particular skydive where one of the instructors was on the load with somebody else. And uh, somehow we ended up in, in uh, close proximity under canopy and he flies – kind of up and from behind me and yells, let go of your toggles. And I'm, you know, relatively new. I'm not just off student status. So I'm kind of shitting my pants yeah. that I can hear anybody anyway. So I let go of my toggles and I'm looking up as I see these dents running up the front of my canopy. And then he disappears in front of me and I fucking hated him. You cocksucker. What the hell is that? Don't ever touch my parachute. And I was terrified of having somebody near me for the longest time. And then cut to a bunch of years later where it's me and another tandem that are barber pulling around each other on the way down going all right fuck so and that was you know i mean the progression long before flocking so the fact that it's moved on to quite large formations is super exciting and visually it's quite spectacular yeah 100 like even in the short time that i've been doing it like it's progressed in my own like progression it's progressed from getting out super far like past the drop zone and turning around and then flying back downwind at the drop zone trying to go for more distance to me that was what flocking was when you know, I was first getting into it and now it's developed into, well, one, its own discipline, but into building formations, dynamical flows, and just so, like I said, the possibilities are now just endless. Like it's, it's, it's 
create it's literally like creating art in the sky like it's sure. awesome and, and everyone that's on the ground that's watching is like wow that was awesome like wow can you see it and it's like yeah you can literally see it though you'll jump the whole time sure so it's not only pleasing for people in like in the jump but people on the ground as well it's super spe- like spectator friendly well now some of the stuff that i've seen done too um there's <clears throat> a lot of stuff coming out that's got quite a lot of aerobatics in it uh, with a number of different canopies, and it's obviously very well choreographed. Uh, one that I just saw had a bunch of canopies simultaneously barrel rolling out in opposite directions at the same time and stuff like that. Um, are there, is it physical cues? Are you guys on headsets? Because uh, that's very, very choreographed to be able to do that. Because if one guy's off on yep. their turn, <laughs> it's going to get messy. Yeah, for sure. Like, um, we definitely have headsets, like, um, like me and the other leader would usually have headsets, but if we're usually in like a bit of a trail before we do like a barrel roll, not, not many people usually have headsets or more or less no one has a headset. It's usually like a lot of the briefing down the ground and a lot of the timing, like, you know, a lot of like leg claps, like if you like clap your legs like once and second, then we're going like on the third one. And like, like, especially for the barrel rolls, like was usually brief. Like if you don't commit, like, you're going to be worse off if you don't commit. So you have, it's like full commitment. And with the flocking, it's like the the progression from the first jumps through. It's all about building trust and like, you know, the trust of the people that you're flying with and that you're the team that you're kind of building. So once you get to those jumps or the barrel rolls, you've usually got quite a lot of trust in the the people that you're jumping with that everyone's going to stick to the plan and everyone's going to execute that plan as well. Sure. Um, well, and I would imagine yeah. with a lot of the ones that are like the fly pass where you've got one group formed up heading one direction and another one either flying in between above or below that group, I would imagine that's kind of just a case of follow the leader, is it not? Yeah, 100%. That's when you sometimes like have um, like a headset on the other leader to sort of communicate like when they're going to be turning in. Um, and then, but other, all the other people generally just follow the leader, just like mimicking the person in front's like uh, motions and what they're going to be doing next, almost trying to predict what, when they're going to turn in as well. And um, yeah, being able to read what, what's about to come next before it kind of happens as well. Now, how much planning goes into matching canopy performance? Um, yeah, a little bit. It's just usually day one of like our camps is all about like, um, speed checks, like making sure that everyone's compatible. Like if, if people need to wear more drag or less drag or a little bit of weight or, you know, what, what things do we need to adapt to our flying style or to our kit to be able to make the whole group more compatible. Um, so usually when I've got the registration list, I can kind of see where people might need some adaptions. Um, but usually the first few jumps is where we kind of just test all that out. Nice, nice. Well, it, I mean, I think you're right in that there are endless options for all the different kind of stuff that can be done with multiple canopy formations. The guys out in Bovec, uh, my fun crew out there, Nitka and then uh, Ernesto Gaines and the guys do follow the leader stuff down terrain, you know, down these beautiful yeah. mountains that border Bovec and, and Italy and they're carving down through these amazing canyons and incredible stuff like that. So that kind of stuff. And then you guys are kind of making your own terrain in the sky with different formations, which is super cool. Sure. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. So <laughs> now awesome. yeah. for, for that kind of stuff, is it always scheduled events or do you guys have groups of people that are just doing this on a regular basis at your drop zone or are you putting it out there? Come learn how to do this. Yeah, for sure. At the, at the moment, like I'm creating camps and it's becoming more scheduled events. Um, like I said, the discipline's quite still quite new and still people quite learning on, you know, 
not really sure what to expect when they get on camp. Or the flip side is people see the the end video and just it, they kind of assume that it's quite um, advanced for them, but they don't see the progression that gets to that point. So it's um, there's a lot of people who are like, oh, it's too advanced for me, but it's actually open to all skill levels. Um, we'll always adapt to the lower experience levels. Um, but for me at the moment, like there's weekend jumping, a little bit of flocking here and there, but we, I'm mainly, um, just do when I'm training. So like if I'm, when I'm me and my friend, Niall, the other leader and an organizer, if we've gotten like an idea, we'll just kind of get a few people together and do a bit of training. Um, but other than that, it's mainly like scheduled events. Now, is it kind of like with the lower experience people, is it the same as with other disciplines is that you put the lower experience guys just kind of hanging on for dear life in the base and the more experienced guys are are responsible for doing the the fancy shit around them? Uh, no, nah, not necessarily. Like we usually put the the more, ex- it's kind of, I put the more experienced people like in the center. So you've got like a strong core, like to the formation. And then that leaves the least experienced people like on the outside slot. So that if they need to, bloat for whatever reason or go out and chill they've got the options to breathe and they don't feel like they're restricted into some said formation i like that because uh, uh like the idea for me of of big ways uh free fall big ways and stuff the scary part was never flying near all those people it's where the fuck do i go when i want it to end <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you know 100 yeah. I don't like this anymore. I need to get the fuck out of here. I'm claustrophobic. <laughs> and plus, like, uh, plus the um the advanced, or no, not the advanced, sorry, I shouldn't use that word. The people who are understanding it a lot more will usually um build the formation a lot quicker. So it's it makes more sense for them to be getting out, like, and building that strong core and giving, like, the, the people who may be struggling a little bit a strong foundation for them to build onto, sure. essentially. So now say one of the people listening today is is from like the the Facebook group that I quote all the time, the beginner skydiving forum. Uh, oh, this yes. person, this person's at 50 jumps and they're watching videos that you've put out and they've seen these flocking things and they think it's super cool, but they're still flying, a, you know, a 190. Um, what progression do they need to be thinking about? Where, where does their mindset need to be? How do I get from where I am now to leading one of these flocks? What do they need to be thinking about? rapidly downsize it's- <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck off man kids don't listen to that shit <laughs> no 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 i take it back <laughs> that was a joke <laughs> now nah, just like um just like with anything <laughs> it's like with anything you know like uh the people that try and again rapidly downsize and try and progress themselves too quickly are the ones that will end up paying for it in the long run those that take the the time in um working through their journey getting coaching getting the good feedback as well um, will progress and will end up progressing quicker um, to some degree as well. So just find your local canopy coach, tell them the idea of what you want to and where you want to get to, and they'll usually help you have a small progression plan to get to that set point. It's usually li- kicking off little goals to then achieve the big goal. So what are what are the 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 benchmarks like? What's the what are the hurdles that they need to overcome? What do they need to learn specifically uh, or just generally as they move through that progression? If if someone comes to you as a coach and says, "This is what I want to do," what are you going to tell them that progression is? I just start off with like one on ones, like just one on ones, like with an instructor, just like some high pulls, just so you can get used to flying relative to another wing and seeing what your inputs do relative to that wing, like what your brakes, what your rears, like what your different body positions and everything do. Um, and then it's just kind of just time in the sky. Like we, for our beginner camps, we'll take, and for our advanced camps, we'll take people with no experience. 
um, and adapt. And that's what that whole, whole first day is, you know, smaller formations, getting used to flying relative and seeing where people need improvements. And then day two and day three is where we start taking the next steps up to the next jumps, et cetera, et cetera. So um, if you're at 50 jumps, just it's more of a time thing, you know, just understanding what your inputs do, getting the experience, just flying a parachute. If you can do a couple of one-on-ones, um, high pulls, even better, gain some more experience and then just get yourselves ready until you're on the right canopy type and size. Um, and mainly wing loading to be able to get onto a camp. Like the minimum wing loading for our camp now is uh, 1.4. So whatever you need to get yourself there. If it takes you two years because you need to progress to get to like the next wing down, then that's the, then that's the journey you're going to have to take. Cool. Now, have you uh, ever had any students freak you out? No, it's um, it's it's always the advanced camps. <laughs> <laughs> Why does that not surprise me? <laughs> it's the, <laughs> the beginner ones, like it, it's because the beginner ones, everyone's so conservative at, on day one because they've been told to stay away from parachutes. So you spend day one building people and showing them what the picture should be like from our last camp at Durian Bay like we had photos and like in, did the whole introductory brief but um he was like I didn't understand we were going to be this relative you know flying our wings like two meters to five meters apart from each other I'm like yeah man like we're not going to be flying from like one side of the freaking drop zone to the other and that's our formation like we're here to fly a relative like um he's like oh I didn't realize we we're going to be like this relative and I was like well this is what we're doing sure <laughs> this is flocking so it's um no yeah, like um are are there are there canopies that are are more suited obviously there's there's some that are better suited for this but uh, um you say as you get more advanced that gives you different options but is that preferable i mean i'm assuming you can pull off some pretty amazing stuff with a, a lower uh, level canopy as well yeah, for sure. Like the 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 top end higher experience ex, higher experience wings, like you know your layers, your Valkyries, like your Petras, etc. Definitely give you more options in terms of like maneuverability and um, just you know just the the efficiency that they have to be able to do like your barrel rolls and just like um, your up and overs and all the rest of it. But you know you can still do some of that stuff on the, the beginner wings, not just necessarily like barrel rolls. Like you won't be getting a Sapphire three and trying to barrel roll over someone else. Like it's going to be. <laughs> super dangerous um but um in terms of like the like we the flocking camps are usually catered for that wing loading and like when it was a lower wing loading we had people on sapphires and sabers so it doesn't necessarily matter what type of wing you're you're on as long as you're on uh, if you're trying to flock with other people it's just trying to match up a different like the same type of wing. sure um but you wouldn't try and flock like a like a sapphire and a, and a petra together like yeah it probably work to some could work to some degree but it's not sure. going to be like efficient sure now speaking of wings i see you're 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 sporting the new gyro jersey which i mean no offense but fuck you because i haven't seen one of those damn things yeah. <laughs> now i know Pretty you blind. you were actually at the rebrand boogie so tell me about that because i haven't had a chance to talk to anybody about it yet yeah, it was awesome. Um, we did like a, a little athlete flocking um, pre, like pre-flocking before gyro. So we got um, like Lucy invited um, a couple of us to Byron Bay just to do some like a content creation, which was awesome. So I got to meet some of the other like other athletes like Cornelia, Max, and um, Robin for the first time, which was awesome. Finally, putting like a face to a name. Obviously, talking to everyone on social media, trying to feel like friends anyway. But when you finally get to meet people in person, it's always awesome sharing that beer. And um, so we did a lot of flocking in Byron just to get some new content for the website, which was pretty cool. 
um, and being able to like fly. Like I don't think anyone was on a bigger canopy than the I guess, 79 square foot. I think the 79 square foot was one of the bigger wings. Right. Um, so everyone's like sub 80 square foot, which is, which is really cool to be a part of and um, got everyone quite current for the gyro boogie as well, which was sick. Um, awesome. Like it was probably the biggest boogie I've ever attended personally and ever load organized that as well. So I was load organizing the flocking, which was, um, which was pretty awesome. Um, I was pretty nervous with it being like, I remember how many participants have been like 150 or including staff and everyone else. I think it was a total of like 200. Wow. I had three planes there, three or oh, four planes if you count the 182. And it was, it was busy. That's fantastic. Well, I know it was, it was a a quite a big undertaking with um, now gyro then NZ aerosports had been planning this rebrand for quite some time. Uh, And that was of course the culmination of it when it kicked everything off. And I wish I could have been able to go because I've been told through the grapevine, it was a hell of a party. Yeah, man. Like, even like just um like the whole gyro secrecy thing i suck at secrets and when i got told about the rebrand i was like fuck i shouldn't shouldn't have told me this because i suck at secrets and now i've got to keep the secret all the way through until we get to the boogie <laughs> yeah and um but yeah the the boogie was sick like um they had the new they had, they had the new jerseys they had the new rebranding like little subtle hints here and there throughout the boogie because they released they they released it and dropped the bombshell on party night like the last night of the boogie sure um which was awesome. So again, not many people knew that a couple of people were kind of picking up on a few of the hints. So it was kind of, kind of cool just watching it all kind of like build up and build up and build up. And Lucy did a fantastic job at like doing the, doing the rebrand at the boogie, like the the speech and everything was, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it, it, like it was sick. <laughs> it was a blast when they, they let me know that they were going to do it. And, and I got uh, copies of the, the logo and, and then I, I got the speech uh, to use uh, for the leader into the podcast and I'm reading it. And of course the, the gyro business model and this podcast business model match quite well anyway. Um, but yeah. then I read it and say, so I sold my girlfriend's canopy for drug money. I'm like, this is fucking amazing. Oh my God. <laughs> this is, I'm, I'm working with the greatest company on earth. This is so fantastic. And, <laughs> So I read through, I, it took me like three or four times to read through that damn, um, that voiceover because I kept cracking up. I'm like, this is fucking great. It's gold. Yeah, yeah. 100%. And, and like, I've always known like an Aerosports Gyro was like a, like a big company and being like my first sponsor, like I knew it was like, it was cool, but doing the flocking at Byron, going to the Gyro Boogie, coaching at that and seeing it all unfold and seeing the rebrand, like, man, like it, it, the, the sponsorship and the, the opportunity they have with gyro like it's it's absolutely amazing like i, I it's yeah i never knew it was going to be this this big it's such a it's such it's such a fucking cool company to be a part of it is <laughs> it is well it, it i've i've honestly i've never felt like i was working with a company it's like it's a club it's just a a very like family a yeah family vibe where everybody's just kind of doing their thing collectively and and it's just yeah it's been a blast to work with them and not to mention they make a badass fucking wing. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, 100%. yeah, yeah. It's uh, um, I, I get asked all the time because uh, obviously I have people on the podcast that fly PD, they fly um gyro, they they fly fluid wings, and and uh, uh, especially with PD and gyro, 
They're like, well, is it an issue having? And I'm like, no, it's fucking Nike or Adidas. They're both badass. Yeah. It's just which one you prefer. Um, yeah. And it, which is an amazing place to be, especially considering Gyro's roots and how it kind of just got started, not by accident, but certainly not, you know, it, it, this, the, the intention well, no, was know. never to become <laughs> this, you know, right? So it's just, sure. a, it's, it's a great story as well. And it's, it, it, that's the, another favorite part about the sport is sure. PD and gyro are competitors, but very friendly competitors. Cause I mean, it's always oh, a banter that they have between each other. It's, it's awesome. That's fantastic. And it's a, it's a proper back and forth, but it's the way it should be. Right. Because it doesn't alienate anybody. It's Coke versus Pepsi. It's Nike versus Adidas. It's, it's good fun. Yeah, for instance, like I um, at a boogie, not um, not the gyro boogie, but uh, one before that, someone put a I love PD sticker on the top of my helmet, and I didn't know. And I did this like a uh, uh, swoop over the top of the building, and I was like editing the footage like on my phone, and I was like, why the fuck does it say I love PD on the top of my helmet? So it's just like <laughs> if you watch the video, like you can see me cut doing the swoop, and all it says on the top is I love PD, and I was like, oh yeah, well played. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's pretty funny, and why not? I mean, fucking just have a good time with it. So um, as we get down towards the end, I want you to tell people how they track you on social media, how they track your drop zone on social media so we can see all the shit you're doing for them, how they find out about flocking camps and coaching. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I'm on Instagram. It's probably like my uh, best way to get in contact or follow what I'm doing, um, which is Zach Rosser, Z-A-C-K-R-O-S-S-E-R. Had to think about that one for a second. Um, And then, uh, yeah, I work for SA Skydiving, which is S-A. Skydiving, just all, all one word, just at SA Skydiving. Um, and then all my events um, can be found on my Facebook page, which is Zach's Canopy Course. Um, but yeah, we're, we're actually thinking about um, like myself, um, my friend Niall, who does the, who helps me organize, and then my two camera flies, Cam Putty and um, Maddie Walker. We're trying to think of a um, like a team name essentially at the moment to try and, um, so it's more of a collective than Zach's Canopy Course, which is very individual. So we're trying to think sure. of a name that's a bit more, as a as a team so that we can do all the flocking camps and post it more under that essentially so it's more growth in the in the pipeline and what we're working towards at the moment well so for everybody listening they need a team name so it's time to yeah if you've got an if you've got an idea fucking let me know because it's a hard work thinking of time a name to that's for sure bury <laughs> zach's uh facebook page with team name uh, ideas i'm sure you're going to get a yeah. few interesting ones <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so um as we wrap up any events that people should know about anything coming up in the near future. Yep. Um, we've got, um, our two camps that are going to be ran at, um, Skydive Ramblers. So our introductory and then our advanced camp, um, in late October. And then we're fingers crossed. Um, just got to touch base with the manager again, but we're going to be going back to New Zealand in, um, February, February, start of March to run um, some more camps in there and another project camp that we're um, super excited about to be running in New Zealand as well. So, and um, still a bit of um, work to be done with that one, but I'm pretty excited for nice. what's the nice. that one. Good to hear it, man. I can't wait to see. I know that I'm going to see a lot of really cool content coming out from you in the near future. Uh, I'm sure that the camps will go incredibly well as well. So, dude, as always, it's great talking to you. Thanks, man. Take care. You- <laughs> well, there you have it. Another episode of the Lunatic Fringe Podcast brought to you, as always, by... Well, wait, not as always, actually. Brought to you now by Gyro. Formerly known as NZ Aerosports, you'll head to gyro.com for their next level line of canopies. By Pussfoot, the Extreme Sports Collective, 
head over to pussfoot.com to check it out. By Summit Parachute Systems, check out summitparachutesystems.com to talk to Jarrett Martin and the gang about kick-ass pilot rigs, rigging courses, and more. By Flyaway Indoor Skydiving, go to flyawaytn.com and check out all the cutting-edge stuff to come. By Pure Spectrum CBD, head to purespectrumcbd.com to check out their wide range of CBD products. And as for us, head to the lunaticfringepodcast.com to listen to any of the hundreds of episodes currently available, hit the link for our YouTube channel, pick up your copy of the Lunatic Fringe book or The Accidental Stripper, and get a sneak peek at upcoming guests. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Well, there you have it. Another episode of the Lunatic Fringe Podcast brought to you as always by, well, wait, not as always, actually. Brought to you now by Gyro. Formerly known as Enziero Sports, you'll head to gyro.com for their next level line of canopies. By Pussfoot, the Extreme Sports Collective. Head over to pussfoot.com to check it out. By Summit Parachute Systems, check out summitparachutesystems.com to talk to Jarrett Martin and the gang about kick-ass pilot rigs, rigging courses, and more. By Flyaway Indoor Skydiving, go to flyawaytn.com and check out all the cutting-edge stuff to come. 
by Pure Spectrum CBD. Head to PureSpectrumCBD.com to check out their wide range of CBD products. And as for us, head to the LunaticFringePodcast.com to listen to any of the hundreds of episodes currently available. Hit the link for our YouTube channel, pick up your copy of the Lunatic Fringe book or The Accidental Stripper, and get a sneak peek at upcoming guests. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.